LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. I'm your host, Chris Swain, here with Robbie Gallaty, the pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church, founder and president of Replicate Ministries. We have been talking about the discipleship pathway. We've navigated through the first three elements, congregation, community, and core. And of course, we're trying to help people move through this pathway, uh, attend a worship service, be a part of biblical community, and plug into a discipleship group. And as we walk through the process, there's this fourth element, this fourth fourth piece that we'll be talking about today called crowd. Again, we got it. We have to keep the phonetics in there. So I have to start with a C, right? And uh, ultimately, the crowd is one of those pieces that I think can be missed when we talk about discipleship, because it's easy to say, okay, that connects with everything. And uh, so when we say crowd, what is it exactly that we're referring to in terms of the pathway? And then we'll get into the details of how we reach this group and how, how it plugs into what we do as a church. Yeah, so the crowd would be people who are seeking, uh, would be people who are lost, or people who are far from God. I mean, Jesus spoke to the crowds on, on a lot of occasions. Not not a lot, but on some occasions. Four occasions? Uh, about four occasions, <laughs> yeah. Out of the uh, yeah the out of the 100% of Jesus' ministry, we said this, 90% of the time he devoted his attention to 12 men. But he did speak to the crowds, right? Because he had this influx of people seeking right. and and asking questions. People may be wondering, why don't we start with the crowd? Like, why does it start with uh, the worship gathering, then the life group, then the D group, and then it leads to changing the world through the crowd? And people may be wondering, here's why. Because pastors, you're starting with the people God has given you. Years ago, Chris, I came to this aha moment of my personal life uh, in ministry. And what that was, was I was pastoring Brainerd Baptist Church. I was a new pastor. I was only there for a couple weeks, and I had uh, this group of people there staring at me, sitting before for me. And I got caught up like a lot of young pastors in performance based ministry, right? right? And and how big's your church or how many's coming or how fast is it growing? And I'm not saying we shouldn't grow a church and reach people, but the pressure of trying to produce really uh, and grow the church really was overwhelming. And so I got caught up in what I call escalator evangelism. Yeah. Have you heard of this? Uh, I think so. I think so. <laughs> okay. Is this like an elevator pitch? It's well, no, not an elevator pitch. No, that's an elevator. This is an escalator. Okay. Which different moving. Okay, I gotcha. And escalators are like constantly moving. That's right. right? So like it just is like this this circular process. So here's how it works. I would get up on Sunday. I wouldn't say this publicly, but I would think it subconsciously. Uh, I would say, uh, hey, if you're new here and uh, you're visiting, praise God. We want you to invite your friend to church. Mm -hmm. Now, I wouldn't think it, uh, I wouldn't say it publicly, but the honest truth was I was only inviting his, him to invite his friend. Sure. So that we could next week ask him the same question. Right. Okay. So Chris, you come to church to say, hey, do you have any friends? Yeah, I got a lot of friends. Okay. Why don't you invite your friend next week? Your friend comes next week. His name is Steve. Good old Steve. Do you have a friend named Steve? Uh, I do. Steve Ferris. Really? Yes. Okay. He's a good guy. He's on staff <laughs> at the church at with Alex Amaya. Oh, okay. So Steve comes to church. He's in Hendersonville, let's just say. Okay. And Steve comes to church. And then we ask Steve the same question the following week. Steve, do you have any friends? Yeah, I have a friend named Greg. 
I do have a friend, You're a friend named, named Greg too. Okay, wow, we're on a roll here. <laughs> so Greg comes to church, and here's what we do: we wouldn't we wouldn't uh, say this vocally, but we would think it. We have overlooked Chris to get to Steve, right? And then we have overlooked Steve to get to Greg, and the process continues on. And what happens is people start going out the back door of your church mm-hmm. as fast as they come in the front door. Yes, and, and I think you're right. We when we have church set up in such a way that every single thing we do is geared towards those outside the walls of the church. And you've heard of these churches, and, and I'm not in any way putting them down. Some of these churches have done great things. But the idea is, you know, we exist for those who aren't here yet. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if, if you don't like what we're doing because we're reaching out to others, get out, we need your seat. Those types of things, that, that type of thinking, <laughs> right? right? It, it, it sounds good, and it's a great pitch, and it's a great slogan. And for those who realize that, man, we've got to reach the world, which we absolutely do, but the challenge is we're not e- biblically equipping our people to go and do that work. Well, we're, we're focusing on the the church itself to be the place where yeah. that transformation happens. And with the crowd, what we're trying to say is let's equip our people to be the church where they go versus ba- basing everything off of people coming into our doors. Yeah, and thank God Jesus didn't do that, right? <laughs> I mean, right. Jesus didn't say to these 12, listen, man, I know I know you want to grow deep. I know you want to learn spiritual disciplines. I know you guys want to learn how to commune with the Father. It ain't even about you. Let's go evangelize every day. Right. He didn't do that. Yeah. Now, did they evangelize? Absolutely. Absolutely Luke yes. 9, Luke 10. But Jesus spent most of his time, watch this, growing the existing people who are following him deep. Because here's the principle the Lord showed me with this escalator evangelism mentality. God convicted me one Sunday. And I thought, you know what? I could change this community mm-hmm. without reaching another person at this moment. Like I could take the existing people I have at the church and at that time, I think it was like 900 people we had coming to the church services. And, and the Lord showed me, you could change this community with the 900 people you already have if you grow them deep in the word and right. they know what they believe and why they believe it. And here's the principle I want you to get. God showed me, you stop trying to grow the breadth of your ministry yourself or the width of the ministry. That's something I do. Yeah. Right. I planted Apollos watered. God gave the increase. Hmm. We don't grow a church. God grows the church. God grows the people. Here's what the Lord showed me, Chris. If we grow people deep in the word of God, God showed me, God, God said, God showed me, if you can grow people deep, I'll take care of the breath of the ministry. Right. I'll grow the width of this ministry. It's almost like we're not willing to trust God to do what he says he will do. We we try to take the reins ourselves and grow it wide ourselves. Yeah, and the great listen, the greatest evangelist you have in the church, the greatest missionary outreach ministry you have mm-hmm. are watch this, are the undiscipled disciples who come and sit in the padded seats in pews of your church every single week. That's right. And, and I you know what, when we talk about this, the challenge is there, there becomes a camp that says we're an outward-focused church, another camp we're an inward-focused church. Both of those are wrong. Right. We need to be both outward-focused and inward. What we want more than, than that is a healthy church. And when we have a healthy church, you have both of those two things working together. And that's why when we talk about the crowd, we're not necessarily just talking about how we might do a big event to reach a large number of people. We're not necessarily just talking about being missional, going overseas on a mission trip. We're talking about all of those things working together and equipping our people to reach the masses where they are at. Yeah. And the saying we use a lot is the gospel came 
to you. We tell our people this all the time. The gospel came to you because it was heading to someone else. And that changes everything. I mean, even when Jesus called the disciples, think about this. The first unofficial call to Peter and Andrew, James and John, Mark chapter one. You remember this? Jesus says, come follow me and I'll make you guys successful. I don't remember reading it. No, I don't think that's what it is. Did he say, come follow me, I'll make you famous? Uh, many people think it's make you a rock star <laughs> Christian. Yeah. Come follow, yeah. come follow me and I'll expand your Twitter. I mean, what, you know, come follow me and I'll, 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 I'll give you a big church. No, come follow me. I'll make you wealthy, happy or healthy. No, he doesn't say that. Here's what Jesus says. And it changes everything. Jesus said, come follow me and I will make you guys mm. fishers of men. And it's interesting within the first call, Jesus plants the seed of replication. Mm-hmm. And he says, you guys think the Christian life's about you. It's not even about you. Right. It's about those who would come after you. And so I mm. think that's where we start. We start with the community or the congregation mm-hmm. of people we have. So the congregation, the worship gathering, this is a disciple first mindset. Okay. Right. And here's how you think about it. It's moving people from being based basic recruits or or cadets in the army to being trained Navy SEALs or uh, army rangers. Or Marine Force Recon. Or Marine Force Recon for the Marine in the room. If you're going to select another If you're going to select another You don't have to. So here's the question. Do you want a thousand cadets, uh, rookies, or do you want 100 trained Marine Army or Marine Recon special ops? I mean, you know what my choice is going to be. Yeah, well, think about it. Because the recruits are, tra- are walking into the to the basic trade. They're like, hey, where's the line for the shot records? Where are the donuts at? Yeah, yeah where, where's the coffee? I'm, I'm tired. Where's the coffee? No, when the when the Navy SEALs or the, or, or the Armored Rangers show up, man, these guys are on point. Yes. And they are equipped and they are trained. And I'm not saying we have to train uh, Christians to be Army Rangers. Right, but what right. I'm saying is when we get people in the Word and mm-hmm. accountable through the Word and in life groups together and making disciples through D groups, right. they can't help but talk about Jesus. And I think people give us a bad rap at times and they say, man, you guys are all about discipleship. You're not about evangelism. We have to be about evangelism. Biblical disciple making has to include both evangelism and discipleship. Right. If not, we're just going to row in a circle with one or. And right. sadly, a lot of us for many years have focused on the evangelism or, and we've rowed in circles for years and realized that we can't just be evangelistic. Well, I think you're right. And I think, you know, to clarify the pathway again, congregation, community, core crowd, it's this process we're moving our people through so that they can take their next step. Um, I I think it's clear. I think it's simple. Here's one of the challenges that some have have, uh, posited when they hear this ministry, when they they see this pathway. It's not fireworks for them. You know, they're not looking at the pathway and saying, oh, my goodness, this is awesome. They're looking at the pathway and saying, there's nothing new here. There's nothing revolutionary going on here, but here's the reality. And this is mind blowing. Um, Barna just did research and uh, the research shows mind blowing. uh, The question was asked, have you heard of the great commission? And the question was asked to those who attend church. So these aren't just random people who say, Hey, I'm a Christian. These are people who are attending churches consistently. Yeah. And the response to the question, have you heard of the great commission? Have you heard of it? 51% have never heard of it. Half of the people sitting in your church seats every week. One out of two. One out of two. Slightly more than that, actually. Oh, yeah. 
have never heard of the Great Commission. Oh my God. So if this process is is simple, if there's nothing revolutionary, and by the way, if it's not revolutionary, how are we sitting here? Because it's the process that brought us all here, right? So dismissing that, but moving on, here's the even sadder point, I think. Half the people don't know what the Great Commission is, and there's another 25% who say they know, they've they heard of the Great Commission, but they don't know what it means. That means combined, 76% of the people sitting in your church this week have no idea what the Great Commission means. Well, okay, so here's the deal. This is the problem, and I'm glad you brought this up. This is one of the problems we have when we talk about discipleship or disciple-making or making disciples. Most people don't know what we're talking about, including pastors and leaders. Because here's the reality. When discipleship can be anything, discipleship is nothing. Right, because anything could be discipleship, and so it really becomes nothing. I met years ago with a group of disciple makers. Uh, we met for a couple years. These were guys who were disciple first guys. Uh, Grant, I mean Craig, Craig Etheridge, right? Um, Bobby Harrington, Bill Hall, Jim Putman, um, Patrick Morley, just guys who have given their lives to discipleship. Robert Coleman was there. And so here we are. I'm the young guy in the room. I'm kind of a fly on the wall. And we talked for for years about this. We would meet multiple times a year. uh, And discipleship.org was the one who kind of put this on. And man, it was so refreshing. But here's here's what we found out. Over and over and over, we came back to the number one reason we're not seeing discipleship is because people don't understand the terms Hmm. and the they don't That's understand right. discipleship. And here's the thing. If we don't define what we're talking about, and if we don't explain the Great Commission to people, Chris, we're going to be using the same terms and speaking a different language. That's right. It's kind of like as useful as the conversations were at the top of the Tower of Babel. They, they, they use the same terms, but nobody understood what they were talking about, right? And so right. we have to define the terms. And so let me, just, let me just define the terms what I'm talking about, and I think this will be helpful. Disciple making is the overarching 30,000-foot view, okay? Right. This is what Jesus said. Go, therefore, and make disciples, or go, therefore, and be involved in disciple making. Underneath that, you have evangelism on one side, discipleship on the other side you have to have both okay evangelism is inviting someone into a relationship with christ discipleship is walking with someone after they have crossed the threshold of faith brother pastor if you're passionate about evangelism and you're not intentional about discipleship and you're just seeing people saved so you can put a spiritual knot on the on your belt or send numbers to the convention then what you're creating in a sense is spiritual orphans to fend for themselves after birth We would never do that in the physical realm, okay? Here's the example. We're trying to move our focus from being, as leaders in the church, the only people doing the ministry in the church, okay? Because most churches, Chris, operate like an aircraft carrier. Let's keep with our military theme. Why why not, right? The, (laughs) The aircraft carrier, if you think about it, is on the water. There Mm -hmm. are 5,000 people on this aircraft carrier, okay? 5,000 people taking care of the carrier, keeping the ship afloat, but the purpose of the aircraft carrier is what? Is to carry the planes around that do the combat. That's right. actually do engage in combat. You got it. The aircraft carrier exists for the for the 20 planes on board and the roughly 100 pilots who will fly those mm-hmm. 20 planes, right? Yes. Here's the reality. You ready for this? 4,900 people wow. are there to serve 100 guys 
or 100 guys and girls, okay? Yeah. 4,900 people. They clean the dishes, they wash the floors, they keep the ship going, and they are all serving 100 people. That's the church. The church is easy, hun- easy. Well, I'm just saying the, the church. I mean, think about it this way. The church consists of a hundred hundreds of people who show up every week who their sole job is to watch the 100 pilots do all the work in a sense, engage in battle, fight the enemy. And they watch idly by as they take off and land. And, and we have to change the mindset, Chris. We have to change it. We have to move from we can do the work and you watch to more of a Home Depot approach. When you go to Home Depot, do you ever go to Home Depot? I do, but I'll be honest, I can't find anything in there. No, I can't either. And you're like me. We don't really do a lot of handiwork around the house. But the cool thing is we know how to find guys you do. That's right. That's true. Right. (laughs) But, but, But here's the reality. When you go to Home Depot, they're not saying, hey, let me come to your house and do the work for you. They're saying, we're here to help you. We serve you. You do the work. We help. And I think that's the mindset, Pastor. If you want people to be evangelistic in your church, grow them deep in the word, put them through this simple discipleship process, and launch them out that they can be equipped to do the work of ministry. And here's the way to determine this. Am I seeing a disciple-making church, the one I'm pastoring? You need to ask yourself the question. Am I engaged in my staff and doing all or executing all the ministry ourselves? Or... Are we spending a lot of our time equipping others to partner with us for the work of ministry? Uh, That is a a very profound statement. I think it's one that uh, obviously convicts and challenges a lot of leaders in the church. I know for years, I felt like it was on my shoulders to make sure this event was a success. It was on my shoulders to say, this is the number of people who attended. This is the number of people who made decisions. Or, you know, this year we baptized 120 students, which is awesome because last year we only baptized 100. So we baptized 20 more. And we begin to look at these metrics as we've talked about before. And again, there's nothing wrong with metrics. But when those are the, the thing that drives us, and invariably, if you set the goal as those types of things, then eventually that's what you lean into. Yeah. And we begin to stop equipping the people to do the ministry and lean more on our own resources, our own events. How do we take the funds that we have and turn it into a big decision-based event? And uh, and the fruit from that, you know, one, one simple exercise that we could suggest churches would do would look at the number of baptisms you've had each year yeah. and over the course of 10 years, and then go back and look at how, how your church has grown compared to those numbers. And that will show you one of two things. One, you're not being very evangelistic. And that's showing that's up that and you're be. not growing, which is also not, not great. Uh, the other is to put so much emphasis on those numbers that you see that, wow, we may have baptized multiple thousands of people over the course of this decade, but we've grown by a thousand. I have, a sneaky, those yeah. other people? I have a sneaky suspicion. A lot of churches are going to be blown away to try to find out what happened to the people who you have shared the gospel with and baptized. You're going right. to find that some of them, a lot of them have fallen away. And I think it's cool because you can go back then after the fact right. and follow up with those people who supposedly or apparently already gave their lives to Christ. Well, in wrapping up this final piece of the pathway, and, and we'll touch on some of these things in future podcasts, I think it's important that 
we look at look holistically at this. The goal, again, is to get people to the next step on the pathway, to equip them to take that next step. Right. And so if people are not attending weekly uh, consistently, we would say, hey, your first step is to begin to plug into worship on a, on a Sunday morning when it, whenever your worship services take place. If you're attending consistently, but you're not in biblical community, take that step and join in biblical community. Right. If you've done those things, you're ready to take the next step and, and start or be in a discipleship group so that you can begin to multiply and grow individually. And then if you're doing those three things, how are you engaging the masses in terms of living missionally, which ultimately you want to live missionally in all that you do every day of your life. But how do you engage on that missional track is going to be part of the pathway as a whole. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty. If you don't mind, take a moment to subscribe and share the podcast. You can find out more about disciple making, resources related to disciple making, and our customized training on our website at replicate.org.